Um, we have a special week this week, too, because uh, Pastor Smiley is going to be uh, speaking to us, and he's on vacation. Will you guys please give him a warm welcome? Thank you. Sorry to disappoint you to be here, but uh, it is today's one of my favorite subjects is creation. And I'm a little envious that Andy and Christy, while they were on vacation, got to go to the Ark and go to the Creation Museum. So uh, I'm sure Andy will be really pumped up about that next week. Let's spend some time in prayer. Lord, you are our creator, and we are fearfully and wonderfully made in your image. And the heavens are telling of your glory, and their expanse declares the work of your hands. And you're not only our creator, but when we had run away from you, when we had sinned, you pursued us and saved us, and you're our savior. And so we want to thank you not only for for creating us, but for saving us. Lord, we're so thankful that your tomb is empty, and because of that, we know that Ronnie is with you, to be absent from the bodies, to be at home with the Lord. And so we pray that our hope would bring comfort to Lynn and family. We think of the service on Thursday and pray as many, many gather that those who know you would find comfort and that many would come to know you through this time together. We're here because we need you. No one needs you more than each of us do. Lord, I pray that some here today would hear the gospel and come to faith in you. And Lord, the rest of us, that we would grow in our knowledge of you. As we open your word today, forgive the one who speaks for his sins are many and, uh, and teach us. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, I need someone to help me. Would someone come up here to just ask, answer a few questions for me? Come on, someone. Don't leave me hanging here. Someone help me out. Thank you. Come on up. It's going to be harmless. Come on up. Thank you. So first of all, who are you? I'm Andrew Mooneyhan. Andrew. Uh, Thank you, Andrew. And so, Andrew, what's your favorite kind of ice cream? I'm lactose intolerant. I don't eat ice cream. Oh, wow. Bad choice. Bad choice. Okay. (laughs) It's football season. Do you have a favorite football team? Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. (laughs) Okay, great. Well, Andrew, um, at our church, we're doing a little research, and I was wondering if you'd answer a question for me. Sure. So where do you think everything came from, Andrew? Uh, When God spoke, everything was created. Thank you very much. Let's give Andrew a hand here, okay? Thank you. Man, he he was so prepared. If I ask you, where do you think everything came from, what would you say? And um, if you were then to ask me, you know, where do you think everything came from? I would say, listen, God created everything from nothing, and it was very good. That's the point of the message today. We're going to learn that God created everything from nothing, and it was very good. Now, we're starting a new series called The One Story. It's the one story of the Bible. And we have two goals, two goals in the series. The first goal is I want you to know and be able to confidently share the one story of the Bible. I want you to know and be able to confidently share the one story of the Bible. And then secondly, we're going to equip you to, to ask questions because good questions all open up gospel conversations. Now, if you're new here, this year we've been on a disciple-making adventure, 
And we have kind of a, a little map here that shows a di uh, disciples and how there's like four chairs of being lost and then becoming a believer and then a worker and a disciple maker. And most of the messages this year have really been aimed at chair two. Through most of the year, we've been trying to build up believers. But I want you to look at chair three about being a worker. This series we're in now is really a chair three series. The purpose of it is to equip workers. It's to equip you. It's a great series to invite. You can invite people. It's always a good time to invite, and it will be very helpful. If you're new here, what a great time to come and see what the Bible teaches about creation. But the real goal of this is, is we want to equip you to be able to confidently share the one story of the Bible. And the Bible is one story, it's the gospel, and so we're going to be walking through the four chapters of the one story. Chapter one, creation. We're going to spend three weeks looking at creation. Today we're going to, we're going to open up the Bible and see what it teaches. Then next week we're going to come back and look at why I believe in creation. And then the third week we'll come back and look at, does it really matter whether we believe in creation or not? It's going to be really good. And then we'll move to chapter two. And we'll spend two weeks looking at the fall, how sin wrecked everything. And then we'll spend two weeks in chapter three, redemption, looking at who Jesus is and what he came to do. And then two weeks in chapter four, consummation about Jesus coming back. So first, we want to equip you to know and be able to confidently share the one story of the Bible. But secondly, we want to equip you to be able to ask good questions because good questions open gospel conversations. I've been spending time with Jesus in, in the gospels. And one of the things that impresses me about Jesus is Jesus was always asking people questions. He asked others far more questions than they asked him. And that's such a good way to open up gospel conversations. So if you have your Bible, open it to the very beginning to Genesis chapter 1, and I want you to know when Moses, when Moses wrote these words about 1400 years BC, when he wrote these words, the biblical account of creation was radically different from the myths that explained creation that existed then. And the biblical account of creation is radically different from the myths that are taught in our culture today. Matter of fact, when I always tell people the most important verse in the Bible is the first one. The most important verse in the Bible is the first one. If you believe the first verse in the Bible, you won't struggle over anything else that follows. But if you stumble out of the gate and you stumble over the first verse, you will stumble in many, many other places. So let's read. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Oh, I love how the Bible starts, don't you? It doesn't say in the beginning nothing, because how could no thing ever create everything? And it doesn't say in the beginning there was an explosion. It says in the beginning, what, in the beginning? There you go. And we meet the main character of the Bible right there in the first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God. He's the main character of the Bible. Did you know that? It's not you. It's not me. Matter of fact, God occurs 35 times in the first 34 verses of the Bible. God, 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 35 times. In the beginning, God. God alone is eternal. God alone is self-existent. Remember, remember when Moses was retired 
He's 80 years old, enjoying life in the desert, and God calls him and says, I want you to go to Egypt and lead Israel out of Egypt. And Moses said, well, well, I can't do that. I don't even know your name. Remember what God said his name was? He said, my name is I am. He says, I am. You tell them that I am who I am has sent you. God just is. So, so notice how it begins. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created everything. And of course, then kids always ask the question back, well, who created God? No one created God. God just is. Notice how the great story begins. In the beginning, God. Notice the next word, created. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and the word for created there is bara which means that God created everything from nothing. Only God creates. Bara is only used of God because we take things that God has made and we fashion them into things, but God created everything from nothing. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water. We're unpacking, unpacking that God created everything from nothing. Notice everything, all the building blocks of our universe. God created time. Do you see that? In the beginning. God is the one that created time in the beginning. And then space. God created space. He created the heavens. And God created matter and the earth. And notice how it says the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. The word there is he was energizing creation. So God created energy. In the beginning, God created time, space, matter, energy. And how did God do it? How did God do it? Then God said, let there be light. God spoke. And it was so. So God created everything through the Word. And we know the Word, don't we? Don't we know who the Word is? Because what do we read in the New Testament? That in the beginning was the Word. Man, there's Jesus right there in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being uh, through him and, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Oh, man. The first three verses, are, isn't it so good? In the beginning, God created everything, space, time, matter, uh, energy. Now, notice as well, we believe there's one God, right? And yet, we believe in the one God, there's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we see them all here, don't we? That in the beginning, the Father was creating. And notice, the, here's God, the Spirit, moving. And, and He created through the Word. Then God said, let there be light. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right there in the beginning, creating all things. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness He called night. And there was evening and there was morning one day. And there was evening and there was morning one day. Well, Smiley, how do you interpret day? <laughs> Why do you interpret day? Why don't we read the Bible? Is the Bible not clear? What, what does it say? And there was evening and there was morning one day, right? Isn't that what it says? I mean, if I told you 
today is Sunday, how many of you would interpret that? I mean, I wonder what he means by day. It's important for you to understand until 150 years ago, until 150 years ago, people who read the Bible, they read day and they believed day meant a day because that's the plain and simple meaning of the passage. But about 150 years ago, when evolution began to talk, some Christians tried to combine creation with evolution. And, and I want you to know, listen, they don't mix. We'll spend more time next week looking about why we believe in creation. But every time you try and mix creation with evolution, creation will always lose. The plain and simple meaning of the Bible is almost always the best meaning. There was evening, there was morning, one day, there was one turn of the earth on its axis. Important things in the Bible are repeated over and over again. Thirteen times in the first 34 verses, we read day, day, day. Thirteen times. Another thing that's important, in the Bible, words are first established literally, and then they can be used figuratively. But if you don't establish the meaning first, literally, it makes no sense to use it figuratively. So we read in the Bible about a door. And then when Jesus comes along and says, I am the door, we know what that means because the Bible has already established what a door is. In the same way, the Bible talks about bread. So when Jesus comes along and says, I am the bread, we know what it means because we already know what bread is. And so the Bible first introduces the word day, and there was evening and there was morning one day. Uh, one more thing. Uh, sometimes people will say, well, doesn't the Bible say a day in the Lord's sight? Now notice what that says, a day, right? But every time a number is attached to a day, it's a 24-hour period of time. And so here we read, and there was evening and there was morning, what? One day. And then we're going to read a second day and a third day and a fourth day and a fifth day and a sixth day and a seventh day. So, first four verses, God created everything out of nothing. It was very good. Let's keep reading. Then God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. God made the expanse and separated the waters which were below the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse, and it was so. God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and there was morning a second day. Now, God is setting up a pattern here we could learn from. Every day, God worked. And then at the end of the day, God looked over what he had made and said it was good. And God rested. And he didn't worry about what was left undone. Could some of us learn from that? That at the end of every day, we should look over what we had made, what we had done that day, and we should say, it's good, and not worry about tomorrow. And then tomorrow, just like God, we can get up and work another day. But, but each day at the end, we, we look over what it, we had made and said it was good. And God's showing us how to work here. Now, the second day, what God made, he made the atmosphere, the atmosphere. And, and it seems like the Bible teaches that there was a water canopy around the earth at that time that protected the people on the earth from the more harmful rays of the sun and created a more uniform weather pattern on the earth. But on the second day, God created the heavens. 
Then God said, let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth and the gathering of the waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth spout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them, and it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after their kind, and trees bearing fruit with seed in them after their kind, and God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning a third day. So on the third day, God creates the land, and then he creates plants. Notice he created plants, right, not seed. Well, why? Well, if you would have looked at the plants when they were created, they would have looked like they had an age much older than they were, right? Because God made them plants, uh, not seeds. God made mature plants, and, and so God made a mature world. And so if you take God out of the equation, it makes the world look older than it is because God made plants, not seeds, and animals, and we'll keep going. But notice as well, God made the plants with seeds in them. The Bible teaches that plants have seeds, do they? They do, and that plants reproduce after their own kind, which will be a reoccurring theme in the week of creation as well. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be for lights in the midst of the heavens to give light on the earth, and it was so. And some of you say, well, well wait a minute, Smiley, wait a minute. You, you, you said in, in, on day one he created light, and, and, and now he creates the light givers. How can that be? Never forget the main character of the Bible. Who's the main character? God, Okay. Actually, when we read about the new earth, the Bible says there won't be a sun and, and moon because God will give the light. So God first makes the light, and then on the fourth day, he makes the light givers. And notice why he makes the light givers. Listen to what it says. There, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, he put the stars there and the sun and moon so that sailors could sail on the sea and use the stars to navigate. He put them there. He put them there so that theologians could figure out where, when the Easter was or when the Passover was by the, by the sun and the moon. So God made the light, and then on the fourth day, he made the light giver. God made the two great lights, the greater light, the sun, to govern the day, and the lesser light to govern the night, the moon. <clears throat> My wife, Karen, loves this next phrase. She, she believes this next phrase, God is showing off. I mean, he made the sun and the moon. What does it say next? He made the stars also. What I want you to do tonight is when it's dark, I want you to go outside and I want you to look in the sky and see the thousands and thousands and millions of stars. And what does the Bible say? That our God is so great. He made the sun and the moon and the stars. He just did that also. Oh. And when we go outside every day and we see the sun and we see the moon at night, we should worship God because he made these things for his glory and for our joy. And we live in an amazing, amazing world that God has created. Um, God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth and to govern the day and the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning, a fourth day. 
Then God said, let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarmed after their kind and every winged bird after its kind and God saw that it was good. God does show off, doesn't he? I mean, you ever see fish on the bottom of the ocean that people have never seen and they're not gray? They're absolutely marvelous, put there for God's glory and for our joy so that we would see God everywhere in his creation. You ever see birds? I mean, you ever see tropical birds? You ever look at a peacock? You ever look at a peacock and say, wow, God, you are so amazing. The fish that you've made, the birds that you've made, they reflect how great you are, and you put them here for our joy. Thank you. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. There was evening, and there was morning, a fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, and creeping things and beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so. God made the beast of the earth after their kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creeps on the ground and it's after its kind. And God saw that it was good. God shows off with land animals too, right? That's what happened on day six. I mean, we have a son who lives in San Diego and we were recently out there visiting, visiting him and his wife and we went to the San Diego zoos and I looked at a giraffe bending over to drink water and I looked at the, the zebras and I looked at the lions and their might and I saw the elephants and I was worshiping God. God, you show off. And we got to see the chimpanzees playing with one another. God, you show off and the creatures that you have made, doesn't he? Don't we live in a, a world with amazing variety of animals that God made them for his glory and for our joy? I want you to notice as well over and over it says that God made animals and plants to reproduce after their kind. Does that fit the world we live in? Do animals and plants reproduce after their kind? Isn't that what God says? And then the story even gets better. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. I mean, this is the first chapter. We believe there's one God, right? And yet we believe in the one God. There's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Did you see what I just read? Then God said, see, there's one God. But notice what he says, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make man in our image. There it is right there in the first chapter. Oh, our God is one yet three. And then notice... Um, Every day for five days, he said it was good, but this day he's going to say it's very good because now the crown of his creation, he makes mankind in his image. God is so different from me. When I start a project, I start out pretty good, and then I get tired, and the farther along I go, the worse the job gets. But not so with God. It was good, 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 and very good. Oh, dear people, animals are... They're beautiful creatures, but human beings are unique because we are made in the image of God and only people. And what that means is every human being has great value. 
whether they're unborn or elderly or special needs, all human beings are made in the image of God and of great value. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. We are like God. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Well, Smiley, what does it mean we're made in his image? Well, here are some ways we're like God. God is a relational being. He lives in relationship. And we're relational beings. We can have a relationship with God and with each other. God's an intellectual being. He has a mind and can think, and we have minds and we can think. And God's an emotional being, and we have emotions and we can feel. And God is a volitional being. He makes choices, and we can too. I'll give you a few big words. Theologians talk about communicable attributes of God and incommunicable attributes of God. The communicable attributes of God are those qualities that we have that God has relational, intellectual, emotional, volitional. We're like God in that. The incommunicable attributes, God's eternal, we're not. God's all-powerful, we're not. God's all-knowing, we're not. God's everywhere present, we're not. So God makes man in his image. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Notice this. This might help us in our culture today. Male and female, he created them. God created mankind in two sexes. He created us male and female, and he did it for a purpose. He did it for a purpose. Why did God make each of us a male or a female? God, he created them male and female. He created them. Now notice what comes next. God tells us why he made us male and female. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Men, this is too good to be true. The first commandment in the Bible is to have sex. <laughs> Thank you. Is, is that good? The first commandment in the Bible is to have sex, and that's why God made us male and female. In chapter 1 and 2, we read that God institutes marriage where a man and woman come together, and when they have sex, they partner with God in filling the earth with people who were made in the image of God. God made us male and female, so we would come together in marriage. And we would partner with God and fill the earth with people who were made in the image of God. Listen, sex, marriage, it's all here. It's all here in the first chapter of the Bible, laying the foundation for everything else that happens in the Bible. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Notice as well, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God loves the earth, and he wants us to love the earth. Theologians call this the creation mandate. Christians should be the greatest environmentalists because it's God's world, and we're here to cultivate it and to keep it. Then God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth, and every tree which has fruit yielding seed. It shall be food for you, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the sky, and to everything that moves on the earth which has life. I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. 
You see, before man sinned, there was no death. And so animals weren't eaten, that people and animals lived on plants. There was no death. God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Man, on the sixth day, God looked. It wasn't just good. He made us, and he said it was very good. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their host. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. Um, I mean, Smiley, was it really six days? <laughs> yes. Listen. God could have made it all in one day. It wasn't taxing for him to make it in six days. You do know why he made it in six days, don't you? He was setting up a pattern for you and me every week of our lives. God worked six days, and he wants us to work because work is good. And then, and then God rested on the seventh day, and God wants us to learn to rest too because rest is good. And some of us, truth be told, we could probably learn something about work is good, and we need to work, right? But can we be honest? Some of us, what? We work, 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 and we need to learn from God what? How to rest. So God created everything from nothing, and it was very good. And then you say, well, we'll, 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 well smiley, what happened? What happened? You see, chapter 1 is creation. Chapter 2 of the great story is called the fall. And the fall is that our first parents sinned against God, and their sin wrecked all of creation. So now we are broken people living in a broken world. And then we say, well, why doesn't God do something? That's chapter 3, that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Oh, listen to this. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. The bad news of the gospel is we all have a problem called sin. That is that we are sinners. We are sinners by birth and we are sinners by choice. And because we're sinners, we've pushed God away, and we are lost. And you might say, well, what is sin? A sin is a crime against God. Every time we don't put God first, we're committing a crime against God. When we don't honor our parents, we're committing a crime against God. When we engage in sex outside of marriage, we're committing a crime against God. When we tell a lie, we're committing a crime against God. When we're covetous, we're committing crimes against God, and all of us have committed crime after crime against God, and we are in big trouble because the God we've sinned against is just. He can't just let us in the back door and say sin doesn't matter. Oh, it matters. Listen, God says what we deserve, what we deserve for what we have done is hell itself. We deserve separation from God and from all good things. And when we understand the bad news that we are lost, sinners by by birth and by choice, and that we stand condemned, then the good news becomes really good news. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. We were lost. We were helpless. So God the Son, the very one who was there in creation, God the Son put on flesh and came to earth. Jesus is unique, fully God and fully man in one person. God became a man, lived a perfect life for us, went to the cross, took all of our sins upon himself. He died on the cross for our sins. He really did die. But he didn't stay dead. He didn't stay dead. He rose on the third day, 
And you know what Jesus is doing in this world today? Exactly what it says here. He is seeking and saving lost people. Matter of fact, the verse that changed my life is, is where Jesus sought me and saved me. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. See, we are not seeking Jesus. He is pursuing us. Jesus comes to us and he stands at the door of our heart and knocks. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, do you hear his voice? And opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. Jesus says to each of us, I want to give you eternal life. I, I want to move into you and forgive you of all your sins. Wouldn't you like to go to bed tonight knowing you're forgiven? And Jesus says, listen, uh, I, I want to move into you so that we can do life together. Wouldn't you rather do life with Jesus and for Jesus than without him? And he says, I want to move into you and do all of eternity together. Wouldn't you rather do eternity with Jesus and for him than without him? Well, what's our part? It says here that our part is to, is to receive him as Savior and Lord. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door and says, Jesus, come on in and, and be my Savior and be my Lord, I will come in. Well, how do we do that? At Good News, we love to say receiving Jesus is as simple as ABC, where we admit and then believe and commit. It starts when we admit, Jesus, you're right. I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. And if you've never done that, won't you? And then we believe, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And then we commit to Jesus as Savior. <laughs> Jesus, come in and be my Savior and, and forgive me and and give me eternal life, and I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. If you've never done that, won't you do that? And if you have, notice what Jesus says. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. We get to do life now with and for Jesus in eternity. That's chapter 3, redemption. And we're moving toward chapter 4, consummation, which is that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to restore all things. But he's left us here on earth, and he's given us a mission. And our mission is to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples until the world is one to Christ. And if we're going to make disciples, we need to understand the one story of the Bible. And that's why we spent today learning about creation, that God created everything from nothing, and it was very good. And then secondly, if we're going to make disciples, we need to learn from Jesus how to ask questions and to listen. And so the action step this week is that I want you to ask someone this week, where do you think everything came from? It's why I began the message, sometimes we'd rather see things than hear things. So I invited someone up and asked them, where do you think everything came from? And that's what I want you to do. Now, I, I've learned from Jesus, it's always best to go first. So for the last month, for the last month, when I meet people, I've been asking them, hey, could I ask you a question? And they say yes. And I said, well, in our church, we're doing a little research. And I'd be curious to know, where do you think everything came from? And, and over the last month, I've had all of them have been good experiences till Friday. Uh, I, I've surprised almost everyone has said God. I, I've been pleasantly surprised how many people said God created everything. Um, but then on Friday, I'm having lunch and I asked the server, um, could I ask you a question? She said, sure. And I said, well, where do you think everything came from? And boy, she just got so upset and she turned around and left. And she says, I don't do religion. 
I, I said, I didn't think it was a religious question. I was just curious to see where do you think everything came from, and she stormed off. So what did I do? I stiffed her, didn't leave a tip. <laughs> no, no, no. That, that's, that's what I thought. <laughs> because my first response to every situation is always wrong. Jesus says, smiley, that's a terrible idea. Leave her a really nice tip. So that I did. But listen, this past month, I've asked servers, I've asked people I've had lunch with, sitting around the table with people, I've just been asking people, where do you think everything came from? And, and that's what I want you to know. Some people say, but what if they give the wrong answer? There is no wrong answer. We're asking them what they think. If someone says creation, great. If someone says evolution, great. We're just asking them. We want them to think. Um, now, especially when it's a server, I don't have time to follow up. But if we ask someone and we're, and we're having lunch with them or dinner or there's someone on our team or at the office and they say they believe in, in evolution, we can say, great, I've always wanted to talk with someone. So tell me, how did that happen? Explain to me how it happened. Just be curious. We're, we don't want to get in an argument. We want to learn to ask questions and to listen. And maybe... If you ask several people this week, someone will then ask you back. Well, where do you think everything came from? It? And I prepared you, right? You know what to say, don't you? We're going to say what? God created everything from nothing, and it was very good. Let's do it together, okay? God created everything from nothing, and it was very good. Listen, it's really important to practice. So when someone asks you, you're ready. So share with them. And if you say that, then someone might ask you a follow-up question, and they might ask you, well, why do you believe in creation? And then you just say, ask me next week. <laughs> Better than that, hey, hey, why don't you come to church with me? Why don't you come to church with me? Because next week in church, we're going to explore why we should believe in creation. What an opportunity to bring someone. What an opportunity after it to have a conversation with someone because that's what we're going to learn about last, next week. And the reason for that is we've learned enough already, haven't we? I mean, for this week we learned that God created everything out of nothing and it was very good. And we already have an assignment for this week. It's just one question, right? So this week, come on, let's have the time of our life. Let's each of us make sure we ask at least one. Let's ask someone this week. Let's ask multiple people this week. Hey, could I ask you a question? Where do you think everything came from? Let's pray. Jesus, we are so glad that you made all things. And Jesus, we're so glad when we messed it all up, you came to seek and save the lost. Thank you. Jesus, thank you for living and dying and rising so that we could do life and eternity with you. And listen, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Savior and Lord, won't you? I mean, he's here. Won't you admit to him, Jesus? I admit to you I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And won't you believe, won't you just say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And won't you commit, Jesus, I want you to come in and, and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be.
Listen, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you or tell someone. When we tell someone else we know Jesus, he'll become more real to us. Jesus, I pray this week when we go outside and see the wonder of your creation this week that we would worship you. And Lord, I pray that every one of us this week would have the opportunity to ask at least one person, where do you think everything came from? And when people speak, when people answer, Lord, help us to lean in and listen. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.